TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. It's time for the latest on the Brewers, Bucks, and Packers with the Fan Afternoon Show on 1250 AM, The Fan. You're listening to the Gene Wagner Plumbing Post Game Show. Time to check Tim Allen's news and notes. Yeah, we know they're infamous, somewhat overrated, and, well, quite frankly, sometimes just plain old dumb. But he continues to read them. Okay, Tim, have at it if you need to. So there was this uh, mom at her daughter's softball game. I think it was somewhere down in Alabama or Louisiana. She uh, was arrested for punching an umpire. We're starting out the fan afternoon show with a news and note. Peak news and notes right there. Yeah, this is the true story. And uh, (laughs) in in her uh, booking photo, (laughs) she had a T-shirt on that was mother of the year. Oh, my God. Was her first name Karen? (laughs) <laughs> no <laughs> yeah really but yeah mother of the year down 12 year old uh, daughter's softball game didn't like the umpire's calls and so took it upon herself to quote pummel the umpire and uh now she's got to go to jail for that so there you go there's a news and note as we start out the fan afternoon show uh tim allen filling in for gosh everyone i guess uh along with sam schmitz we're here in the lakeland university studios that is right tim we are offering co-op credit for work experience learn your way at lakeland.edu also top of the afternoon show is brought to you by biontech and pfizer charging a cell phone can be like getting a booster shot a booster shot is given to enhance or restore protection after a primary series vaccination which wanes over time schedule an appointment when you are eligible. Yeah, big news and note of the day here, taking off the pup list, uh, Jenkins, Watson, and Tunyon, and that's good. Uh, Bakhtiari, however, not. We're going to hear from uh, Matt LaFleur uh, in just a little while, so stick around for that, but it's, it's all part of the process. I think it's a little bit more than that, Sam. I think, you know, the fact that you they are now, no, no guarantees of anything, but it, it, it indeed says that they... Uh, will not be held out of the first four games automatically. So if they weren't removed from – now, is that the same for Bakhtiari? Now, he can't play in the first four games? I believe if Bakhtiari is still on the pup list once the regular season begins, then he's you know going to miss the first four seasons. But oh. if, he, if he gets off the pup list before then, then I think he's good to go for week Man, one. It's been 20 months yeah. since the injury and a couple of different injuries for Bakhtiari. And then, you know, obviously, the uh, Packers' uh, first preseason game – uh, they fall to the Niners, 28-21. Jordan Love, he, uh, well, looked good and not so good for a while. Three interceptions, that's going to stick out. But we'll say this, though, that you, you could pin two of those or just one of those on Love. The other two, you had a couple of receivers running the wrong route. I said a couple of receivers running the wrong routes on a play. And then the other one is off the hands of a receiver. 
and that was one of the picks. So that, that was good and bad for him. I think the biggest question here, Sam, uh, at least living in the moment here right now, is the offensive line and the, the musical chairs going on with the offensive line and, and having you know better better foresight on uh, Elkton Jenkins and if he's going to be back in there, that certainly is a weapon to be deployed wherever on the O-line. So that's something that's got to be worked out here. And, and you, you do see... You know, I I think you're going to have to start playing some of your frontline guys a little bit just to get a feel, get a chemistry, especially with that O-line. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens uh, this Friday uh, against the Saints. That's a 7 o'clock kickoff for game two of the preseason. Preseason games were going on uh, all weekend long. Did you catch any of them? Because I'll, I'll give you the barometer here. Uh, my girlfriend is one of the biggest Packers fans that I know. I mean huge. Huge Packer fan. Not that she's huge. She's a huge Packers fan. Um, but she, 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 on Friday night, we were like, well, are you going to – I'm like, are you going to watch the game? What are you doing for the game? She's like, what game? I'm like, your, your, your Packers game. I'm not watching pre, – that's all preseason. I'm not watching that. Are all, all Packer fans are not like that, right? Or all NFL fans are not like that, Sam? It's interesting when you look at this preseason compared to the years past when you knew that Aaron Rodgers was going to be number one and you had like Brett Hundley and other guys behind him. But, I mean, this is an important time for the Green Bay Packers as, as an organization because this is kind of one of your last couple shots you're going to see of Jordan Love that these guys got to make an evaluation on um, unless he gets in, you know, late time in, in a regular season game or something like that or if somebody gets injured, hopefully not Aaron Rodgers. But, you know, there's actually a lot more on the line than, than usual preseasons for the Packers. I think so too, and I, I think that more frontline starters should play, and and I've gotten a little resistance on that over the years. That you know, what what are you going to risk injury? You can't play the game fearing injury. You get you got to play with with a a profit to your own game, and that is chemistry, especially this year with a bunch of new moving parts at at wide receiver. I, I think it's pretty important that Rodgers does play, and I probably he probably won't, but. I would think it's important. Hell, you had you had Pat Mahomes running around playing football against the Bears over the weekend. I mean, this is not unheard of to play your guys. You again, this is just my thoughts that you should play your guys. But I, I get the other side now. You know, if if they play Rodgers and 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 Rodgers gets hurt, and it would be oh man, they'd they'd be all over me, Sam, if if that occurs. But again, I there's other teams that do it. And you can do it safely, Deshaun Watson. I think for more reasons than just to get some reps in, he, he just needs to get on a football field. He he played over the weekend briefly, but you had frontline guys going all over the league, and you know maybe we'll see a little bit more of that with a constricted preseason uh, schedule, just the three on the board. But we're getting dangerously close to NFL football. It didn't really dawn on me until I got the call over the weekend to do this show. And it's like, oh man, I better look in I better look into the NFL here. Yeah. Got my hands full with, with Brewers baseball, but you better do some looking into the NFL here. So I went back and I you know I grabbed all all winter long, uh all off season long, I was taking notes. And believe me, I haven't masked these because you know I I do it like a week before the first fantasy football show. So the first fantasy football show is September 4th. Put it on your calendars, 10 to noon on a Sunday, and uh, we'll get going uh, the week prior 
to uh, opening weekend, but they're a mess. I mean, I keep track of all these, well, the majority of them, the moves that are made around the NFL, and then I'll compile them and do a little more concise kind of list. But, uh, I mean, we'll go over this list here, and it's in disarray, believe me. We'll bounce all over the place. But some bigger names moving around. I mentioned that with Sparky uh, in in the cross-conversation that – you know, you have a lot of wide receivers, a lot of running backs movement, but you have you have a Russell Wilson that is now just – that's just a new environment for all of us in terms of fantasy. Look at that AFC that's, that's West overall. Weird. Look at the AFC West overall, Tim. Not just Russell Wilson in there, but look what the Chargers added. I mean, I know it doesn't have much impact on fantasy, but you brought in Khalil Mack. You look mm-hmm. at the Raiders, bring it in Devontae Adams along with Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. I mean, everybody in that division got crazy along with adding, you know, a franchise quarterback to one of the teams in there. Smith Schuster is now a chief. And and so again, I, I think that most I shouldn't say most, but a lot of fantasy football players, they will you know, they'll get up to speed like a week or so before the draft. But now we're starting to see I'm seeing, you know, emails all over the place, emails, texts, just hey, it's ready to draft. We're ready to draft. What dates work for you? And it is excruciating trying to find a date to put you know, in my world, some two of my leagues have 16 teams in it. 16, 16 dudes trying to pin down one night to get together for a draft. Oh, man, it's horrible. So that's, that's coming up. And those of you that, you know, haven't been taking the notes like me, well, I, I just did it for you. And so coming up, I'll, I'll talk about A.J. Brown being an eagle. And some people, believe it or not, Sam, are not into fantasy football like we are. But they still play. But they're just not into it like we are. We that just rolls. That's a big move. I mean, that's Robert Woods now tight. Those are big moves. And for us, it comes naturally a little bit because we, this is what we do. Other others, it's okay. It's okay. But I'll get you up to speed on a lot of these moves. The Miami Dolphins, instead of collecting football or baseball cards, they figure they're going to collect running backs. Did you notice that? Yeah. Isn't Raheem Mostert down there now? Yeah. A couple other ones, uh, Chase Edmonds from the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that I mean. There there may be some, some casualties in terms of roster cuts late in camps here. I mean, it's, it's quite possible. So you may see some late, late movement uh, from some of these players as well. And then we get to the uh, Milwaukee Brewers, and we're going to talk to Adam McAlvey coming up here in just a couple of minutes. But they fall two games uh, to one to the Cardinals over the weekend. And those of you listening to the postgame show yesterday, I think uh, I had a little time to think about that. And, and I mentioned it to you guys uh, before the show today. We, uh, we, we want a villain. We always, as fans, we want to blame someone or something, don't we? Because that's the excuse we want to come up with. My latest target? No, it's 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 a it's a carousel, but it landed back on Christian Yelich yesterday. I'm going to talk to Adam McKelvey a little bit about the analytics of what Craig Council does, both on the mound and in the batter's box. We'll do that next. There's Sam Schmitz. My name is Tim Allen, filling in today the Fan Afternoon Show, 12:50. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, 
even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. AM The Fan. Yeah, welcome back. It is The Fan Afternoon Show, 1250 AM. Talk a little fantasy football coming up in just a little bit. Uh, Dennis Krause from Spectrum Sports will join us uh, in a little while. But right now, Brewers baseball. We're in a pennant race, guys. We're in a pennant race, folks. Great Midwest Bank Hotline is where we find Adam McKelvey, Brewers.com and MLB.com and the Unfiltered Podcast as well on Odyssey. Get that wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, Adam, uh, it's been a while. Uh, let's let's get into, first of all, some nuts and bolts, and then we'll, uh, we'll have a broader brushstroke here. Going back to yesterday's game, I was wondering, uh, was anything wrong with box? And if there wasn't, why wouldn't the analytical righty-lefty splits uh, analytical information play a part in Pujols, the right-hander, going against Rogers, the lefty? I don't think Marmel would have yanked back Pujols for a pinch hitter there with the uh, Cardinals up one. Did you wonder about that as well? No, because I wasn't there, so I'm giving you an unsatisfactory answer from the start. But a couple of people have asked me about that matchup I'll, I'll try to ask her counsel about it today not that it matters the day later but um one of my guesses is that they want to establish taylor rogers as not a matchup guy but a, a guy who they pitch a full inning because he's very good um and i think like josh Hader, he was in the midst of a bad stretch and that contributed to him being available in a trade but I think one of the things that's overlooked in a lot of the many of it justified critiques of the Josh Hader trade is that in Rogers, they feel like they got a really valuable piece for the remainder of the season. So that's just my take on it, watching like everyone else did. Um, but I'll try to ask about that today to see if there was more going on because you know how it is, Tim. There are often days where a matchup doesn't make sense, and it's because a guy just wasn't available that day. Mm-hmm. That happens all the time out there in the bullpen. Yeah, and that's why I preface it with, hey, we don't know the in- inside scoop on, you know, maybe Boxberger was down for the day. We're not quite sure about that. But a big yeah. series, uh, they, they fall two games to one. And, and they pitched, I think, overall well enough to win that series. Um, yeah. and, and, and now down the stretch here, Adam, what what has to – kind of step up a little bit we can point at the offense uh, all day long but you know the pitching uh flew under the radar as scuffling just a little bit for a stretch there and now it looks like the pitching's getting back on track it's it's the offense i would think that would be the uh, emphasis here right well to me it was the bullpen scuffling a little bit which was again one of the things that added i think to the angst about the trades that they made the surprise of parting with josh Hader at this time in the middle of a pennant race and then bringing in some new arms. I think it took a little bit for that to settle down. I think Matt Bush has given them some really big innings. And I think, you know, David Stern said when they got Matt Bush that stuff-wise he could be the best arm that moves at the deadline. I don't know if that, you know, that doesn't necessarily always translate to results. But just in terms of pure nastiness, they really like what they got in Matt Bush. And I think the pen has settled down a little bit. Taylor Rogers yesterday uh, notwithstanding. Look, the offense, if anyone can figure out this offense and tell me what to think about it, um, I welcome that input because I don't know what to think about it. 
um, because, you know, it, it, there are days where they don't score enough runs. It seems like there are too many days where they don't score enough runs. Then whenever you dive into the numbers, I convince myself that they're just fine because they're like seventh in the majors in runs per game. They're first in the majors in OPS with runners in scoring position. The batting average isn't great with runners in scoring position, though. I mean, that's a position where you need a hit. And then, uh, you know, at the same time, people say, don't look at numbers with runners in scoring position because you want to look at the overall numbers because you, you get into trouble when you start to associate, you know, clutch with something that you can measure. So, look, I don't know. Um, there are definitely days where they need to score more runs, and there are days where the offense – needs to pick up the pitchers in the same way the pitchers so often pick up this offense over the last couple of years. But Adam, I find myself staring at the numbers sometimes and, and a little bit confused about whether this is a good offense, a bad offense, or somewhere in between. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think the numbers can state that it's a good offense, or, or at least a decent offense. I, I think decent is probably a better word. All right, Adam, you know, you know us fans. I, I think for the most part we, we want a villain – or we want it, We want someone to blame when when <laughs> when things go wrong. And I'll admit that. And I try and do my best to say, "Hey, man, that's that's just a baseball game. They played a good baseball game. The other guys just played a little bit better. And hey, you tip your cap and move on." Okay, but but a lot of us fans, yeah. we we want someone to blame. My latest target here, and we've been through this the last <laughs> year or so, is now again Christian Yelich, and I still yeah. can't. I can't put a finger on it, and I'm not asking you to as well, but it's been a while since the Yelich conversation has come up because I think a lot of fans have just settled into the fact that this, is, this just might be who he is, and I, I just don't want to accept that yet. Um, yeah. And I want, I want to think that there's something going on here. Uh, Wednesday, Adam, as you know, will be 60 calendar days in which he has hit one home run. And yep. how did he go from there to here? I just I want someone to blame. I want something to blame on that that isn't Christian's fault, and, and I can't find it. Well, I think you're in a uh, – you know who's in the same group as you is Christian Yelich. I, I think he would love to know exactly what has caused this and how to fix it because it would give him some answers. I think he probably has a better idea than we have about what's happening. Um, but look, his last home run at home was May 4th. May 4th or May 5th. <laughs> um, this is a great power park for a left-handed hitter. How many fly balls do we see, pulled fly balls, that just go to right center field? Um, he has not been able to generate even one of those since the first week of May. And look, um, Craig Council has been very supportive of Christian Yelich. I think David Stearns and Matt Arnold have too. And Christian Yelich is a really good leadoff hitter at this point, which is great because it's, it's better to be a leadoff hitter with until the stretch and on base percentage over 400 in that spot. Um, that, and, and with his speed, like he can definitely help them score runs if he's just getting on base all the time from the leadoff hole. The problem is they built this team around the fact that he's Christian Yelts, but he's, he's something resembling the 18-19 Christian Yelts. So I think he's been upfront about saying, like, 
he understands the, the frustration that everyone else feels about what he's done and, and the disappointment in what he's done. And I, I don't know that he has any better answer than what he said, which is, you know, basically I'm working on it. Like I'm trying to get back to that guy. Um, but this is a hard game and you can't just snap your fingers and make it happen. So, if, you know, to get back to your question, Tim, I think he's looking for that villain too and looking for the answer that allows him to at least know why he's become this version of himself compared to the one he wants to be that, that earned that big contract. Yeah. And I, I, Adam, I, I, I think the only thing I can, I can hang my hat on here is it's, it's physical and it's, it's got to be self-analysis. I mean, he can get all the help he wants from old coaches, Andy Haynes or the current hitting coach crew or, uh, friends and college or uh, high school friends or coaches or whatever, but it has to come from within him. To me, it looks like a mechanical, f- and I'm no expert, you know that, but it looks to me the consistency of where the where the balls are hit tells me that it's a physical thing, and he's got to self-analyze to figure it out. This, it's the to me, it's the only way he gets out of it. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, think of all the eyeballs that are on that. Um, in terms of whether it's something mechanical that's fixable. There's a lot of people looking at that. To me, uh, and look, I'm, I'll say the same thing to you. I'm no expert either because I sit up high where everything looks really easy. Uh, I'm not down there in the batter's box because I'm not nearly good enough. But to me, I, to, to, it seems to me like the, maybe the, the answer is more upstairs. Okay. But look, I mean, he's an elite athlete. And I, I always feel weird saying something like that because what the hell do I know about playing a professional sport? It just seems to me like the easier answer than that everybody watching this and trying to solve it is somehow missing something mechanically. Yeah, yeah that's true. That, that's true. All right, one. so go ahead. Well, I'm just saying it's a really hard one. And, and it's, um, you know, again, I think Christian Yelich has done – the right thing in saying like he understands that there's a lot of frustration that he's not the player that 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 was the guy that that signed that contract he's a different version now and maybe that's just what he is and and maybe that means he can be just a an elite leadoff guy to get on and score a bunch of runs but that's going to require a lot from the guys that that are behind him yeah yeah no doubt adam mccalvey just a couple of more mlb.com brewers.com the unfiltered brewers podcast as well on the odyssey app uh, then there's center field, and here's what I'm, I'm getting. I'm fielding uh, a lot of, uh, and, and I'm sure you are too, a lot of calls on the air. What's with center field? It's Tyrone Taylor and Jonathan Davis. Is Jonathan Davis any yeah. part of the future? You can make the argument that Tyrone Taylor is not as well. Why wouldn't they, and do you think they will, bring up one of the guys from AAA to at least do what Jonathan Davis is doing. That's playing like once every eight games. And is yeah. that a possibility down the stretch here? Yeah, I think it was five at-bats since the All-Star break going into yesterday on Jonathan Davis. Um, I, I think that is definitely an area to look at. And I know that there was great disappointment that they didn't add a bat at the deadline. And look, that disappointment extends into the front office. Because I, I think one of the things – that went wrong at the deadline is the Brewers had an expectation of, you know, this group of bats are going to move at the deadline. And I think that way more of the the players in that group that they expected to be traded were not traded. And that impacted a lot, I think, at the deadline. 
I'm reading between the lines of what David Stearns told us after and what Mark Atanasio in his comments afterwards, that I think they thought there was at least one more move to make that didn't happen. Because you can't force another team to make a trade. So if the Brewers were on bat X, say, you know, look, one name I know they looked at hard was Jock Peterson. Great postseason pedigree. He can play center here and there. Uh, just a guy who's known for coming up big down the stretch for a, a, you know, a number of different teams now over the last bunch of years. And the ask, I don't know what the ask was, but it was high for whatever, you know, some of these bats they look at. The ask was like, no, we're not going to do that. And I, I, the sense I get is they thought there would be like another round of calls later saying, okay, the ask is now this, and then you can talk and get a deal done. And that, that second part of it just never happened. And teams are content to keep some of these hitters, like Jock Peterson wasn't traded, J.D. Martinez wasn't traded, and there were some others that I think a lot of people, Wilson Contreras was talked about so much and wasn't traded. And I think there's a lot of players that were in that pool, a lot more than the Brewers anticipated. And I think that messed things up for them at the deadline. I think they had plans to add some kind of – augment this offense in some way, and they didn't do it. And now they're left with – giving a really good long look right now to Tyrone Taylor. And then you're right. They make a decision. And it is going to be that group of outfielders at AAA, maybe starting with uh, Ruiz, the, the outfielder they got from the Padres, who uh, can play all over, uh, elite speed, a guy who can get on base and, and make some things happen. Um, but they're going to – I think at some point that is something worth considering because in order to just – do everything you can to squeeze as much out of this offense. You got to kind of look position by position. And that may be one where there's an opportunity to add from within the system and maybe push a prospect faster than you anticipate. Yeah. And maybe he'll surprise you. I agree. One more on that same note. At what point uh, do they, and this is what I think they have in mind. This is just me, but at what point, and they're waiting to pull the trigger. I think to get an additional legit bat in, if Davis and Taylor aren't going to be productive, as you said, they need every little bit out of this offense. When do they go with McCutcheon in center field? Way more than they have been. In fact, just ride him out down the stretch and just roll the dice on that. I know they didn't want to do that too early because of his uh, veteran status and a potential injury, but I, I don't see any other choice but to get a guy like Keston here in the lineup uh, you're going to have to play McCutcheon in center field. That does make the offense better, Adam. Well, Keston here is another guy that if somebody can tell me exactly what to think about his season, I would love to know because I struggle with him as well because his numbers are, like, when you just look at his production, it's, it's been terrific. But I think what the Brewers would tell you is that it's been terrific because they've put him in these prime positions to succeed. That's, I think, one part of the equation that gets really overlooked when, when – people look at the numbers and say you should do this, this, and this. I think this sometimes goes with relievers, too. Sometimes part of a player's success is because they've done a good job of putting them in in positions to succeed. And here is really tricky because of those reverse splits. And I think the Brewers think that those reverse splits are just at some point going to even out because there's no way to explain why a hitter of his profile should be better against righties than lefties. And I think they played him a lot against lefties early because they just thought, look, this can't last. It's got to change. It's going to change. There's no logic to this. And I still think they're a little bit confused about how to use him because the numbers don't make sense with what history tells you should happen with a hitter with Keston here's swing and skills. 
And does it make um, sense to have McCutcheon down the stretch in center, though? Well, I just all I know is that they didn't want to do that early. Um, right. Okay. And I don't. I, I, you you raise a good point because look, I think it is fair to say at some point you've got to kind of push your chips in and do everything you can to just be the best version of a team you, you can be with the personnel you have. I'm really curious to see if Bryce Terang is in the plans in the next couple of weeks. He played. He started at second base um, on Saturday for the first time in a couple of years. They're, they're continuing to expand his profile. He's played center this year, so he's the guy who could go out there for you. He's put up nice offensive numbers. He's still really young for AAA. He's a sneaky prospect. I think a lot. we talk a lot about their outfielders. Um, but Bryce Terang is a looks like a, a a pretty good player, and I wonder whether he could be a guy that before uh, too long is is part of the picture. Yeah, and Jace Peterson would be a nice addition here down the stretch. So we'll await uh, that uh, his return, and also Adrian Hauser getting a little bit closer. Omar Narvaez. I think the timing could be good, Adam. And and we'll t- we'll talk again. I know you got to get going. And you got some work to do, but it's uh, been a while, and I appreciate the conversation with you again, Adam. All right. Okay, let me, let me throw one fantasy thing out there since you're going to talk fantasy. <laughs> yeah. I'm in a super flex league, right? I have Dak Prescott and Joe Mixon as keepers. I have 1-1. One, one. So Jonathan Taylor is there, and so is um, – why am I blanking on his name? McCaffrey? Josh Allen. Or Josh, no, okay. Josh Allen. Ooh. In a super flex league, do I pick a quarterback 1-1 or do I take Jonathan Taylor? Please, everybody, tweet me the answer. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, no, it's, it's JT because the difference between the, the next batch of running backs is a wider gap than, than the next batch of quarterbacks. And I think you're, you're in a plus situation. Well, I, I know I'll screw it up somehow. So. <laughs> but I appreciate your input. No, have a little confidence, Adam. Come on now. It's the championship right. season in your fantasy league. All right, all right, all right. Never mind. All I'm going to win it all. Thanks. All right. See you later, Adam. Thanks for the time. All right. See ya. There, there he is. Adam McAlvey, Brewers.com, MLB.com, Brewers Unfiltered podcast as well on the Odyssey app. He joins us here on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. If applying for a home renovation loan has you feeling anxious, breathe, and let Great Midwest Bank help you experience a state of tranquility. Get started at GreatMidwestBank.com today. Yeah, he's as confused as we are, <laughs> Sam, when it comes to, you know, what's, what's going on with Christian Yelich. And, and I love yeah. his point about... You know, sometimes we look at numbers and we, we say that, well, maybe this is all the offense is based on them putting them in positions to get these numbers. Sometimes that, that, that can happen. But as a whole, I still think the offense is underachieving a little bit. They're a better offense than, than what they're showing. But if indeed that's the case, let's just go, go with that. If that's the case where the reason the numbers indicate who they are is because they're put in positions to succeed, and that means that this is the topping out of the offense. You're squeezing as much as you can out of this offense. That's not good news, then. It's not good news, too, when the beat writer for the team uh, is searching for answers, too, about this team, when you're looking for you know confidence boost and all that. And he's rightfully so to you know have questions about the offense and Keston here because, man, he's right. There's some stretches where this offense makes you really think that they can contend with some of the upper echelon teams, but then – when the going gets rough and they have to go against, you know, their top rival in the NL Central, all of a sudden the offense can only put up, you know, one to two runs. And then on top of that, who knows what's going on with Keston here and why he's not getting more playing time. It's just, 
It's very frustrating as a Brewers fan right now. It, it really is. And and so, yeah, he brought up Bryce Terang, and, and I know there's a lot of conversation about Weimer, Freelich, and, and Mitchell, but Bryce Terang might be a guy, a story to Rios. Yeah, might might be the guy. I mean, so you got to try something in center field. Again, I'm looking for for a scapegoat here. I'm looking for a villain. I'm looking for someone to someone to blame here. And if you continue to run out Tyrone Taylor and Jonathan Davis, I just do you do you see either one of them having? I guess Tyrone Taylor would have a better chance because he's had some sort of impact at times. But boy, he's been in a in a, in a cycle of just nominal at best and I mean, that's hard to explain with tyrone taylor i always thought that if they were going to bring somebody in at the deadline another bat that tyrone would be great to come off the bench or to give some of the other outfielders a day off or to play center field when whoever you brought in needed a day off but now that you're kind of stuck with him it's like man i, I don't know what to do because i thought the same thing with jonathan davis i thought he was just going to be a stopgap guy until they brought somebody in but now you're stuck with him so I mean, that's the thing, though. If you're banking on the prospects to, to bail you out in offense going into the postseason, what does, that, what does it say about your offense? Well, that, that's true, yes. But it could also work in a, in a real energized sort of way. Like we see around the league, a lot of young players come in and they just, man, really? That dude just hit – he just came up. He's got three home runs this week. Oh, Tim, I've been wanting to talk to you about this. For the Kansas City Royals, talking about a guy like that, you love good baseball names. For the Kansas City Royals, Vinny – Pasquintino. Oh, beautiful. George Brett nicknamed him the Italian Nightmare. Uh, just came up for the <laughs> Kansas City Royals and was a big part of this uh, previous two series for them, especially in yesterday's game against the yeah. Dodgers. Yeah, and, and a guy that can energize or, you know, who knows, where did this guy come from sort of philosophy? Maybe it's what the team needs. But, again, I, I think what they need is to play each game one at a time. And, uh, boy, this is a big series tonight. I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming that Brewer fans are going to pour into American Family Field here for this series. But it is a four-game set against the L.A. Dodgers. Now, they just had their 12-game winning streak snapped yesterday. Uh, so they're, they're, hey, they're not coming in hot. They lost yesterday. This is going to be tough. I, I, I think the Brewers tend to play better baseball against the I'm not saying winning all the time, but just a better brand of baseball against teams like this. They just do it. That was a pretty clean series over the weekend. You had the one error yesterday, but it was the only one error in all three games, and they really didn't make any boneheaded mistakes. Really, I think maybe maybe the the manager did, maybe Council did, with the uh, with the Rogers going at Pujols yesterday. But again, the, the Brewers were losing at that time. You know, they did come back to score a run, and so you could make that argument that that was the move of the game or the non-move of the game, but they played a pretty clean brand of baseball over the weekend, and if they do that against the Dodgers, you're going to see that the gap isn't that that far between the Dodgers and Brewers. I know a lot of you would say, well, look at the records, man. They're, 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 you know, These guys are going to end up 50 games over 500. Um, so I just... Yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to see a little taste, a little taster of what this team is about when you stack it up against uh, the Dodgers a little bit. Because make no mistake on paper, I mean, you can't argue with it, right? But you can say they can win tonight's ball game and then, then 
move forward. They, you can say they can win tomorrow's ball game. You can say those things. The Cardinals, on the other hand, they're not. If if at all, they're not much better than the Brewers. They're just not. They're 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 probably neck and neck. The Brewers and Cardinals. I don't. Th- you can make an argument that uh, either team is better than the other one. All right, you want to get in a caller here? Dennis Krause, Spectrum Sports, coming up in just a couple of minutes. Yep, let's go out to the phone lines. Once again, 414-677-1250. If you guys want to join in, let's get out to KJ in West Dallas. KJ, you're on the fan. Hey, hello, Tim. Thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. So uh, a couple of questions for you, Tim, since you are the aficionado for Brewers baseball. Uh, who, at this point, first off, uh, can we both agree that Christian Yelich is probably never going to be 30 home run, 100 RBI guy with with the batting average of somewhere between 280 and 300? I don't think I'm ready. Yeah, I'm not ready to go there yet, but KJ, are you, are you ready to go there and why? I'm definitely ready to go there because I've seen the sample size. It's been a large sample size of two and a half, almost three years, Tim. And um, this stems, uh, you know, he's not injured as far as I know. He's had some back problems, but I just don't think he's going to be able to be that guy again. Not the guy that they uh, signed to that huge contract and that's making $20 million plus this year. Just don't see it. And uh, the other question I have is, who's the bigger disappointment for you um, in terms of being the, you know, one of the, the top guys in the league? Would it be Cody Bellinger or would it be Christian Yelich? Yeah, I, I, Christian Yelich is not hanging out with the big boys right now. He was. He's just not right now, KJ. I mean, I, I agree with well, you there. I, I know, and, and neither is Cody Bellinger. No, so no. which one, which one do you think, in your opinion, is the biggest, bigger disappointment for their team? Well, I'm too close to the Brewers here, but I would say Christian Yelich more of a disappointment for this team because more was counted on Christian than Bellinger, right? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean they they counted on him to be a superstar to build around in the lineup. You had that box checked. You had one superstar. You had one of the Goldsmith Arenado guys. You had one of those check that box. Yeah. Now to find another one to have maybe a career year, then you got you, you've got your one two punch right there, and that now you don't even have any. Yeah, yeah. and it seems like uh, Tim, the uh, I see a lot of uh, similarities between say the Bucks. The way that they have their philosophy and the Brewers, uh, you know, the Brewers are built, uh, you know, run prevention, you know, defense and hit home runs. Okay, and the Bucks, uh, they rely on the three pointer. You know, uh, the way that they're constructed as well. Only difference is they have Giannis, who is a superstar, mm-hmm. and. They, the Brewers counted on Yellow to be their superstar to get him over the top to perhaps get him to a championship. Yeah, interesting point. All right, KJ, I'll give that some thought. That is pretty interesting. I, I don't know if there's 
you know, uh, real similarities on the X's and O's, but overall, maybe you got something there. Uh, 414-677-1250. Okay. Um, I was going to bring this up. We just don't have time throughout the show today. But the expectations being different for the Bucks, the Pack, the Brewers, and the Badgers. It's not all the same. I've discovered it's not all the same. I think a lot of Brewers fans, the, the bar is a little bit lower. They, 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 we, I'll include myself in there, we a lot of times will accept less because of where we were. Whereas the Packers, for an extended period of time there, yes, 70s and 80s, but for the most part, they've been this, man, this, this, this just monstrosity of an organization. And then the Bucks, what what they went through it too, but now since you've had the championship taste here, all bets are off. The expectations are sky high every year. Every year you have Giannis is, is going to be a sky high expectation. So I would put the pack and the and the Bucks in those uh parallel sort of expectations. Whereas the Badgers and, and Brewers are in their own camp. It's like, wow, yeah, Badgers are ranked ninth. Wow, they're on the cusp of the, the, the playoff picture. And, you know, but they're, they're really good, and they're right there. And then it's always that one loss. And it's always, you know, b- taking the foot off the pedal and things like that. And, and then at the end of the day, you say, well, you know what? They, they had a pretty damn good year. They're pretty, pretty darn good. One of the better teams in the nation. Brewers, same thing. Now, what it, where it should be, the expectations should be the same, the same across the board. They should. It's the only way to look at it. I think Tim too. The the big thing for the Brewers and the Badgers is people realize the landscape of those the those sport that those teams are playing in with the you know payrolls and baseball and then just how how flawed the ranking system is in college football, especially with the SEC and everything. So I think that that has a part to do it. But the, I think the Brewers. I think you got a point there. It should be. On the same lines as the the Packers and the Bucks now, because you have a window right here, right now, for a couple more years with Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. Yeah, part of the yeah, reason why you you we all claim the Brewers are this juggernaut of a team that can match up against anybody with their starting pitching. Now, who knows if they'll be able to keep one of those guys, both of those guys, or whatnot? But in my opinion, they got to win a World Series within those first couple of years until those guys are do big contracts. I'll tell you what, though, and, and I'm not uh, – I didn't, I didn't grow up around college football. Yeah, I like the – I'm a Badger fan, for sure. But, you know, I, didn't, I don't know historically and, and all, the, all the ins and outs like I do the other sports. So I'll admit that straight up. What I do know about college football and what I do know about the Wisconsin Badgers, if I'm the Badgers and I play a team like, I don't know, Central Michigan or something – I would destroy them till there's zeros on the clock because that's the only way you get attention on these national rankings. You destroy them. You don't take Melvin Gordon out. Years ago, remember that? He had some sort of crazy game going on. You took him out because you were in cruise control. You were up by 40, and it's the you know early fourth quarter. Uh-uh. No chance. Because uh, you want to play that game? You want to play that game? I'm going to crush Central Michigan, 95 to 10 if I need to. 
and I will never lift off the gas pedal because that's the only way you're going to get some eyes and some attention. But that's, I mean, maybe that philosophy is flawed. Again, admittedly, hand in air, I don't know that much about college football, but I do know that that makes a difference a little bit. Destroy those opponents. I mean, that, that's, I don't know, just to me, it would help. Uh, Dennis Krause from Spectrum Sports is going to join us. We will touch on, well, at least the Green Bay Packers and, and Milwaukee Brewers situations. Maybe we'll get some Buck stuff in there as well. We'll do that next. It's the Fan Afternoon Show, 12.50 a.m. Sam Schmitz, Tim Allen, right here. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 